This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, the post-game edition. We are uh, lamenting the Raiders' 17-16 loss. The 98-yard drive that ended in a touchdown. Baker Mayfield leads the Rams. He gets off the plane at LAX two days ago, doesn't know the playbook, and leads his team on a 98-yard drive to win the game. Of course, with me, as always, is Murph uh, from Raiders Fan Radio. He's our voice of the fan tonight, as he always is on our post-game show. And my partner, always here on the podcast, is Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. So uh, the other thing I want to get to, because I know, and Murph, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but the fans that are blaming the referees... I just don't have it tonight. I have some in the chat. I'm like, look, w- did Max Crosby get held more than he should have? Absolutely. Every game he does. He's the best defensive end in football right now. So guess what they're going to do? I mean, they got the guy on the Rams that was choke, literally choking him by the throat. <laughs> and it got called maybe once out of five times. So I get that. But when you only get two first downs in the second half and you can't score, you're not going to win many football games. No, and, and you know, listen, I've and I've seen the calendar turn enough and been around this Raider team long <laughs> enough to tell you that like like this is just something that happens to the Raiders. And 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 if you ask OG Raider fan guys like my dad, guys like my uncles that that raised me up in this whole Raider thing and watched the Raiders from their inception in the sixties and all throughout the seventies and when Al Davis ran aground with the NFL, we didn't get calls back then. Like it it, it all started. I mean, you could go back to you know, to calls against the Jets. You can go call, go, go back to Rob Lytle's non-fumble. Of course, the Immaculate Deception. You can go back. There's a, there's literally games, historical games named after calls that have gone against the Raiders. But those guys will also tell you this, that we used to win anyways. Yeah. Like, and that's the important thing is that, like, we got to remember that, like, think it's not just against us. You guys remember when the Saints lost in the NFC Championship a few years back? Like, talk about Rams. Getting- screwed on a freaking call right yeah yep. well, it's not just us that happens to has it happened to us more frequently yes is there a conspiracy against the raiders i don't think so is there a bias maybe back in the day but i think we've evaporated that at this point but i will tell you this raider nation is that when your team is good 
those little adversities that pop up along the way, like those calls against Max, because what Scott said is so dead on. He's the one of, if not the best edge rusher in football. So yeah, he's going to get held. And especially by a guy that's under equipped to play against him, like some freaking chump ass freak. Sorry guys. Some <laughs> that's okay. Dude that's playing, you know, tackle that, 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 that normally wouldn't be. So yeah. he's got to do those things in order to be effective. So, I will say this is like, I don't disagree with that sentiment Raider nation, but we got to get past that. We can't blame the calls. We can't blame the officials. It ain't Walt Coleman and Gene Steratore out there officiating every <laughs> single game for us. But we got to move past it and realize that there are things that we can do to control the output of the game Absolutely. and the final score on the scoreboard. And the Raiders completely did not do that in the second half of this game. Did those calls cost us a game? No, would it would have allowed us to be in a more favorable favorable position to win? Sure, yeah. if we would have got those holding calls and maybe would have ended some of those drives. But that's not why we lost. Mm-hmm. Two first downs in the second half is why we freaking lost the football game. Yeah, and not only that, Mo, twenty five percent in the red zone again. Uh, I don't know that this team ever finishes above forty percent in the red zone, uh, which brings up a question. And and again, bad? this. and again Mo this brings up a question I'm seeing a lot in the chat uh, and I'm going to ask it because you've been very vocal that hey you say look Derek Carr's going to be back next year Um, but the Raiders it just it's is it coincidence that over the last 10 years they've been horrible in the red zone is it because of bad coaching all six coaches that Derek Carr has had have been poor at red zone coaching or is there something there that uh, points to the quarterback and, and his inability to get his team into the end zone? I'll say it this way, right? It, it's tough in the red zone. I don't want to get up here and say like it's easy to throw right. a, a complete pass in the red zone. If you look at all quarterbacks across the league, uh, their numbers tend to taper off once they get to the red zone, throwing in the red zone because it's close quarters. There are a lot of bodies and tight and tight spots. So you have to make great decisions once you're inside the 20. But I will also say this, that a lot of times we look at Derek Carr and he throws a pass and we're like, either what is he thinking? Sometimes it's on the pass catcher. Sometimes the receiver mm-hmm. just has to come up with the ball. I remember Darren Waller early in the season had a drop in the red zone. So that's on him. But in this situation, we're thinking about it today, looking at it today. And, and I want to go back to the play at the end of the first half with Derek Carr's interception. And someone posted a, a photo shot of yeah, Derek Carr was hitting the pocket. I get it. His, his guard got pushed back into him and it caused him to float that pass. But as I said, if you're a quarterback in the pocket and you have a good feel for pressure, and what's been a criticism of Carr throughout his years, sometimes he loses a feel for the pocket. Sometimes he anticipates pressure that isn't there. Sometimes he doesn't feel the pressure that's around him. And I think in that moment, you have to just make a better decision. And again, I'm not blaming the loss on Derek Carr, but when it comes to the Raiders' red zone woes, he has to be part of that equation. You can't completely absolve the quarterback of your team's red zone woes. Yeah, and and you said it's hard to score in the red zone. And Kelly in the chat says it isn't hard to score in the red zone against the Raiders. <laughs> That's true. 32 That's- of 32 on goal to goes over the last several years for the Raiders. That's pretty incredible. Um, can, but, I, can I make a point? Uh, yeah, go ahead, that, please. please. Yep. I, you know what, Mo? I think that's a, an incredible salient point. And and I think that uh, I think what's tough for for us Raider fans is that when we look historically at what the greatest Raider quarterbacks have done, whether you know, and you, you call, obviously Stabler is the is is the, is the poster child for that. Uh, you can put up Gannon up there, obviously Plunkett, not in terms of fourth quarter wins per se, but anyways. But I, but in the red zone. What what is Kenny Stabler famous for? The sea of hands, right? Things like that. It was like these incredibly, like it, you know, high profile 
improv improv plays that literally become defined in in, in NFL history. Then we look at Derek Carr. I'm going to go back to last year, and I'm not choosing this to pick on Derek Carr, but I will just say this. Mm -hmm. We had four plays inside the 10-yard line against the Bengals to win a playoff game, and they were – Two inter, but there was one interception, two incompletions, and a spike pass or a spike, uh, a spike down. So like, and and that interception was th- thrown short of the goal line. I think that's what you're what you're saying, and I think that mm-hmm. is incredibly great point. That like that's not play calling. I don't think anybody's calling Zay Jones to run a route two <laughs> yards shy of the goal line on fourth down, but yet that's what the play was, and the, or that's what the pass was. So I, as much as I can. You know, people accuse me of being a bootlicker and an apologist. And a, and a <laughs> like all that stuff. Like Derek Carr owns a lot of this. And sure. last year was, it was completely evident that, like, you know, he does suffer in the red zone. And we saw it again mm-hmm. tonight. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. It, and, and, and again, I think, too, we talk about penalties. The Raiders over the last three weeks during the win streak uh, were keeping penalties to a minimum, especially. Uh, uh, Penalties that that came at crucial times of the game or in drives, and tonight they they made the opposite. They they made crucial penalties at the wrong time. And for a lot of the people complaining about the Tillery penalty, and listen, I would be a Tillery apologist because he went to Notre Dame. Uh, but other than that, that play, listen, at a big moment in the game, you your offense can't score. They can't score, and you know the Rams get one more shot to get the ball and go 98 yards, right, to win the game. So what do you have to do? You have to keep your head. Like, you can't do stupid crap. And he did. And this goes back to what we saw during their rough start, right, Mo? Which was, we saw during the preseason an incredibly disciplined team it looked like. we talked. You and I talked a lot about it on the show. And then they got in the regular season, and that all went to pot. And they seem to get better, and then all of a sudden uh, tonight it goes away. Is that is that is that a new guy on the team? Yes, but then you had Cleveland Furl with the with the bad penalty, and of course Max Crosby with the offside. He cannot be excused for that. I don't care how good he is. At that time, you can't jump and create a first down on a on a drive that that could mean the game for you. I just think that last drive between Jerry Tillery's penalty and the Meek Robinson's defensive pass interference. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. at that point, after those two penalties, I was like, "Oh gosh, here we go." Either either Rays going to lose this game, or they're going to make this unreasonably uncomfortable for their fans because you can almost see it. And I think we talked about this with Murph early in the season. You can almost see when the yeah. avalanche is happening. Mm-hmm. You can see when it's starting to roll back for Rays, and you're like, "Okay." They have to get a stop or something here, or this is just going to completely snowball in the other team's favor. And it happened again tonight. And it's I can't explain it, but it just it just happens to the Raiders. And you can again, you can see it happen. You can sense it when the momentum shifts. The Raiders just cannot get it back. No, they can't get it back. And then I just to me, I don't know what it is. And and you have to look to coach. Yes, the players are responsible. There's no question. They have to yeah. keep their intensity. They have to execute on the field. So so you want to blame coaching for all of it? Okay, no, you can blame coaching for culture. I definitely agree with that. And I don't know what happened between last week and this week, Murph, where suddenly, I don't know, was it because it was a short week and, the, and, and, and they got out of the rhythm they were in? I don't know. But that's kind of the coaching staff's job is to keep them focused they had everybody pretty much. Yes, they had some injuries on defense, uh, which I think did hurt them, especially up front as well. Uh, but but 
there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse when you know you have no margin for error and you come out seemingly after the first drive, which was scripted, flat. That's the part that's so tough to understand. And we saw, you know, Derek in the in the in the post game locker room uh, after the after the big win against the Chargers, he said it. You know, look, get your get your get your body right, get home. Like, hey, like, yeah, this was great, but and I'm paraphrasing, but this was great, but we're all gonna feel like crap on Thursday if we don't take care of business. And like, mm -hmm. you know, like that was the focus, and and you could hear the collective of the team like buying into that. So where did that go? Like, and, 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 and I'm, and I'm with you, Mo, in terms of like, when this thing starts sliding downhill, like, I don't understand why the Raiders have such a trouble over many years now to snap out of that. I mean, other than mm -hmm. certain occasions in like 2016 or whatever, yeah. it's like, it's like me having a bad night at the crap table at the Mirage. It's like, no, I'm going to get it on this one. <laughs> no, you're not. Go to bed. You know what I mean? But like, for whatever reason, we just stay in there and just until everything's gone and then it's time to, you know, go home or whatever. But anyways, but point being, I'm with you, man. I don't know how it, it just seems to completely snowball and there's no momentum there. And, and that is uh, to go back to your point, Scott, I don't understand it either. And I don't, and, and listen, I, I have a, I have a freaking degree in leadership. Like, and, and it's still hard for me to comprehend the idea that like the culture of your organization can shift weekly and or not even this point weekly, it's daily. So dramatically that that point, like at, at some point you drop back to your leaders, but when you have multiple leaders, it's like you hold them all accountable. I think you have to, because yeah. there's not one person to pin it on. And I know, you know, and no, not a sh and I can't even read the chat, but like chat room, YouTube comments, <laughs> people on Twitter, whatever. You want to find someone to blame. Like that's what we want to, as people. We want to go. Well, it's this person's fault. Well, sometimes it's not one person's fault. It's not Mark Davis's fault individually. It's not Josh McDaniels. It's not Derek Carr. It's not whoever else you want to try to pin it on. Sometimes it's a it's a collective, and sometimes in order to change the collective, you need time. Like you can't just shift it all in one all in one moment. So. And I, I, I hate to be the guy that says, like, well, let's be patient because it sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think that's what we're forced to do, right? Yeah, not with four weeks left in the season. And speaking of that, Mo, the Raiders have four four games left. OK, so so they, they have to do you continue. It's professional football. It's all about wins and nothing else really matters at this level except for winning. But this team uh, is not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But in all in all likelihood, uh, that would be just a, a miracle if that happened, if they were able to somehow get in the playoffs, uh, including winning out the next four games. But after this big step back. Um, what are your biggest concerns the rest of the way with this team and how they've performed and how the coaching seems to have gone backwards too? I shouldn't say this, but I'm worried about certain players checking out uh, um, because we're talking about their playoff chances. And I know I understand some players are playing for their careers and they're playing for new jobs next year. But sometimes, we, and we'll see what happens uh, coming off this mini buy. how do the Rays respond after a bad loss knowing that the probability of them making the playoffs are very, very slim. Are they? Are some guys going to start to pack it in and get even more sloppy? Or are they going to lock in and say, look, we're going to control what we can control and just win these games, and whatever happens at the end of the season happens? I want to see how this team responds to that because this is new territory under Josh McDaniels. Now, last year they were 6-7 and seven and they went on a run. This year they're 5-8. and eight. Even if they go on a run, playoffs still slim. So I, I want to see how a lot of those guys, especially guys that may not be there next year, I want to see how those guys respond to this loss. And that I think that'll answer a lot of questions as far as Dave Ziegler is concerned. 
who stays and who goes as far as guys on the fringe? How do they yeah. play down the stretch when they know the playoffs may not happen for them? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Well, and, and Murph, you touched on it, and you and I have talked about it many, many times on the postgame show this year, and that that is the term leadership. And not only, as Mo mentioned, does this organization have to look at the talent on the field and decide who's going to be there, who isn't, but you're also going to learn from a leadership standpoint and from a culture standpoint because you th- they are remaking the culture. So you knew there would be bumps in the road, right, guys? You knew that it would take some time. Now, we thought they had kind of gone through those bumps and things were smoothing out a little bit now. And I thought, listen, I wasn't realistically thinking the Raiders, and I've said this before, we're going to win out. I know, I know, Murph, you always go into a week saying, yes, they're going to win out. Uh, but I was mm-hmm. saying, no, okay, but if they don't win out, that's fine. Uh, as long as they continue to improve um, from a culture and a leadership standpoint, though, they're going to have to also look at that. You might have a guy who's got talent, but he's not fitting in with the program. And that might make some difficult decisions for them as well. Absolutely. That's that's an interesting uh, question. There interesting comments, Scott. And, and uh, I have a couple of co-hosts here in the fan cave, my best friend, Swag Jeff, and, and, and our best friend, uh, Michelle. And Michelle made a great point about this Raiders team and what they're going through this season and versus what it was last season, because we have a lot of uh, discussion around the culture of what the Raiders were last year. And then like this coaching staff and this new regime has said like, oh, we're here to change the culture. And we were like, well, wait, it wasn't bad before. Like we saw this team rally together. We saw them be resilient we saw all that that wonderful cohesion happen at the end of last year like it wasn't broken so what is this idea that you're coming in to change it and michelle made the point that like that cohesion happened because of external factors there were Mm -hmm. things that happened outside the locker room outside really the organization that brought them together and so that's not sustainable you have to have internal cohesion that's where he has to be motivated to come from self right and so that's what i think that 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 we're going to be looking for in terms of the folks that are going to make decisions around the roster and whatnot uh, around this team going forward is that who then continues to then rise up or or sustain throughout this most challenging time because this listen this like you said this ain't gonna happen i mean we could win out and it still ain't gonna happen uh but so who who do we see you know who do we see rise up uh and 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 show their leadership and show their ability to to to, you know to, to to bring others along with them to share their vision to all those those things that we know uh you know build a great culture in an organization who are the players that are going to do that? And frankly, who are some of the coaches? Because yeah. I don't even know if we're set entirely on this coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, probably, you know, there's not going to be any major, major moves, but, you know, there could be some lower level position coaches move. And so those are the things that are going to be under the highest of scrutiny now with four games left. And, you know, again, yeah, we're not making the dang playoffs, but I'm going to shut up. Wouldn't this be now? Here we go. Here's the most Raider thing ever, right? You lose a freaking dumper to the freaking Rams at a home game in SoFi yeah. Stadium, and then now watch us run off the next three, and then freaking take the Chiefs to the wire, beat them, end up freaking nine and eight on the season, and we're all going, yeah, baby, all we need is zipper. <laughs> here we go, and then we're back in the uh, same boat again. My gosh. 
Murph, thank God there's still people in the world with your enthusiasm and your yeah. optimism. <laughs> Because we, we need some more of that. And, and I know the fans in the chat are all probably calling you nuts right now, but that's okay. We need that. We need that. So we appreciate it. By the way, make sure you follow Murph. You can see it on the screen there if you're watching us at underscore Murph. Also, Raiders Fan Radio on YouTube. They also have a podcast, so you can do that on the audio side as well. Uh, they are on live on Wednesday nights, right? Still Wednesday night? Yeah, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 Eastern is when we always go live, yeah. Yes, so so go make sure you check it out with Michelle and Swag Jeff as well. Great, great show. Murph, as always, man, we appreciate you being here. All right, thank you, Absolutely. gentlemen. Appreciate you having me, and I'll see you next week. We go post-game, so from the game we got flexed out of on Sunday night, but I'll, I'll see you live <laughs> from Allegiant Stadium once again as we take on the Patriots and hopefully win. That's right. You're going to be out there for Crab Fest, by the way. Uh, the One Nation Foundation, which Murph donates all the revenue he gets from the show, donates it back uh, to the Blitnikoff Foundation. Ten grand, right? That's what you're doing on December 16th? Yeah, we're going to present a check to the Blitnikoffs for ten grand on behalf of our listeners and all the wonderful folks that have donated to Raiders Fan Radio. And not, don't, not Raiders Fan Radio, but the One Nation Foundation. Uh, Raiders Fan Radio is the vessel. And so anything we generate with Raiders Fan Radio, we give it to our nonprofit. And, uh, yeah, and that's what uh, we're going to issue that check to the One Nation yes. Foundation. And thank you, guys. Appreciate you both very, very much. And you, Scott, for giving us this platform because it's been an incredible boost to our success this year. And so can't thank you enough and look forward to seeing you. are going to be in Vegas uh, for the – for the game against the Patriots, holler at us, Woo. man. We'll be out It'll there. be good. It'll be fun. All right, Mo, before we check out of here for the night, uh, just your final thoughts on where this team is. I mean, obviously the fans upset. I, I, I'm, there's nothing I'm going to, I'm not going to tell Raider nation. I'm not going to bring up positives tonight because it was such a rough night and especially the way it ended. But uh, in closing your thoughts for Raider nation, as we head into this mini bye week I just want to give a shout out to Murph because he went into the penalties and not being a victim as a Raider fan. Yeah. And he went into the Derek Carr red zone woes. He took those bullets for me because I was going to touch on it, but he's, he's the voice of the fans. So they, they'll, they won't go at Murph. Like they'll go at me. They'll curse me out on Twitter <laughs> for those comments. They won't curse Murph out. So shout out to Murph for taking those bullets for me, but just going into the buy, I would just say, one game at a time. I know a lot of Raiders fans were coming into this game. They were saying, we're just taking it one game at a time off this win streak. I, I think you have to have the same mentality going forward because now not only is it an evaluation period as Murph just brought up, as I just brought up about who's going to stay, and who's going to go, mm -hmm. but you're looking at this team and saying, okay, what are the pieces we're going to keep as we build this thing? Because I know fans don't want to hear this, but every week you're building a football team you're trying to build a super bowl contender and it doesn't stop even after the playoffs are are kind of realistically out of reach it continues and actually it's a lot tougher because now you're you're separating the contenders from the pretenders like you know okay we can take this guy along with us in 2023 to build ourselves a playoff contender we can't take this guy along with us look he his players dropped off he doesn't have the enthusiasm doesn't have the passion he's lost it we can't keep him so this stretch, even though nine and eight is the best record the Raiders can get, is still very important. So keep it locked in with the Raiders. It is absolutely, and it's still your team, Raider Nation. So you got to follow them, even if you want to just curse them for the rest of the you curse way. Them tonight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, then that's all good. All right, Mo. We will next speak with you on Tuesday. Yes, we got a little bit of a longer weekend. I know you're working over the weekend, uh, but with the show tonight. We've had a show uh, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and now Thursday. And so we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll kind of recap what happened over that mini bye weekend. We'll find out more about the Josh Jacobs 
injury? Is it going to be long-term? We'll also find out this week, Mo, if Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are coming back uh, for next week's game. Absolutely. And I also say Raider fans, I understand you're upset tonight, but just kind of <laughs> woosa over the next few days. I also yep. want to say rest in peace to my Raiders could mathematically win out and be 10 and 7 tweet. I tweeted that after every Raiders it's win over. on their three game streak and I officially have to retire it. It's no longer mathematically possible. So I have to move off my 10 and 7 offseason prediction for the Raiders. Now the, the goal is to now finish with a winning record. We'll see what happens. Winning record. We'll see how it all goes down. All right, my friend, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Absolutely. All right. For Momo and for Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, we appreciate you being with us. I am Scott Colbranson. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter as well at Mo Moten at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully for all the new subscribers out there. Thanks for joining us. Saw a bunch of them on YouTube tonight. Got a couple notes as well uh, for those of you subscribing tonight to the, the audio podcast. If you're listening to us on Friday, have a great weekend. We'll be back with you next week. And also, Make sure you take care of one another out there. I know you're angry, but hang in there. Raiders 17-16 losers to the Rams. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care, Raider Nation.